teacher's voice. As voices du professor. As voices du professor. La voix des enseignants. La voix des enseignants. Teacher's Voices is a series of podcasts from Bold, the digital platform on learning and development, made of fascinating stories from teachers around the world, talking in their own words about their specific stories and context. In each episode, you will listen to inspiring conversations between international experts on learning and child development and me, your host, Nina Alonso. For the past 10 years, I have been devoted to improving equal access to education. Now I want to share with you powerful stories from teachers talking in their own words about their experiences. In this first episode, we will listen to educators sharing stories about accelerating basic literacy in a rural community in Mozambique, about developing creative ways to stimulate the interest of unmotivated students in mathematics in a socially deprived area in Brazil, and about improving the reading skills of girls with severe dyslexia in Saudi Arabia. I am pleased to introduce this series of podcasts with a special guest, Nora Marquetos. Nora is the co-lead of the Learning Schools portfolio of the Jacobs Foundation, and in her role, she works with educators around the world. Hi, Nora. Thanks for being here today to help me introduce this new podcast series. Hi, Nina. Thanks for having me on to talk about such an important topic. Nora, why do you think it is so important we listen to teachers' voices? Well, from the vast impact uh, of COVID-19, many people have a much better understanding of the huge importance of teachers. But uh, while the upheaval of the past year may have led to some changes in the general view, I believe there is still a strong need to elevate teachers' voices. For me, Giving teachers a voice through a podcast such as this is really important because teachers are the ones directly engaging in the daily experiences of children's learning, and therefore they have so much to teach us. With this podcast, I am hoping to reach those interested in learning, child development and education. In your view, what makes this podcast so relevant to anyone interested in these topics? Teachers share really a passionate commitment usually to their students and the particular needs of, of each individual learner. So this podcast is uh, quite special in the sense that it brings together teachers' voices in a short but really powerful manner. And it complements their stories with existing research and evidence of what is already working in which context. This provides really a bridge between the teaching community on the one hand side and those researchers who are seeking to better understand how we can help children learn and develop. Thank you so much for your thoughts, Nora. As you said, elevating teachers' voices is incredibly important, and it's why we are here today. So throughout this series, we will travel across continents through rural and urban communities and meet teachers who are ready to share their inspiring stories. In this episode, we start by welcoming Armando, a teaching facilitator in the north of Mozambique, southern Africa. I spoke to him in his bustling classroom in a small rural school as his pupils raced around him on their way to the kitchen for lunch. Hola, Armando. Hola, Nina. Armando works in accelerating teaching practices in the north of Mozambique, and I asked him to share the most challenging parts of his work and to describe for us the kind of interventions that develop in local schools. 
how to help a child to read, how to take a child that cannot even read letters and help him in 50 days and make him able to read simple words. Wishutani Twelaka is a kind of accelerated learning program that is designed to teach them basic reading and basic mathematics. Myself, I was working at Samora Machel Primary School in Nataka, and we were working with grade four children. Our class has almost 30 to 35 children with a good balance between girls and boys. More than two-thirds of those children could not read a simple word. In our province, which is the most populous province in the country, only one out of 10 children could read grade two story. These kind of accelerating interventions are proving to be quite successful in the Global South, so I wondered if Armando could share a concrete story about how this works in real practice. A touching story came from a particular girl uh, whose name is Anastasia. Anastasia was very shy. She was always smiling, but she couldn't volunteer for activities. And I remember one day when we, when we were still struggling to, to identify letters, making games, uh, using uh, games to recognize letters. And the child suddenly moves, turns to the, to the class and shows to the other children that I have read tomatoes. That was eye-opening. And poor where you could see uh, an unmistakable smile of joy in their faces. We started this program with a huge promise that we would help children to improve their reading competencies and their arithmetic competencies in 50 days. And we were talking about children who have been to school for at least four years. So if they, in four years, they couldn't read, and we were promising to make them readers in 50 days, that was really a fearing challenge. After 45 days of intervention, we invited community leaders and the parents to come and to do together with us the final assessment. We did a reading competition and a, a mathematics competition. They seen themselves the changes we made. If we could bring them to make their testimonials live to you, you will also enjoy the same way that we did. Parents, members of school committees, they were really, really, really happy to see that, yes, it's possible to make children to read and to do basic mathematics in 50 days. Far from rural Mozambique, we now move to an urban landscape. In Brasilia, Brazil's capital, 
we meet Melisse, who works in a busy and crowded public school in a very populated area. Mel teaches maths in the night shift of her busy school to a group of teenagers at risk of dropping out. Hello, Mel. How are you? I am well, thank you. How are you? Melissa first told me about her experience teaching mathematics in a socially deprived area in Brasilia. I asked her to tell me a little about her pupils. Yeah, I was teaching a, a classroom like a, that was different. So they were students that were behind. So although they were 15 from 18 years old, they were supposed to be, they were still in the level of like 13 and 14 years old. I then asked Melise to share with us her teaching style and a teaching experience that she and her students had particularly enjoyed. Because we had that challenge of making sure that they they learned what they haven't learned before. Uh, I had to be kind of really smart and, and think about the, the key aspects that we I thought that was important for them to learn and that would make them, it would put them in a good position to be able to follow the content in the following year. So I wanted also to make sure that they were learning things that were interesting for them and important for them and not just to be able to follow the content for the following year, but also for their lives. So what I did was I brought some old magazines to the room and I asked them to, to take some of the pages off and we moved all the, the chairs, the, the, the desks. And I said, like, we're going to create a square meter. And they looked at me like I was talking about something really weird. That's what we did. So they cut the pages off, they glued them together, and then we, we measured it. And then they, then they understood that actually that square, the total of the area of that square measured a square meter because it was like the sides of the square. They had like a one meter of le length. And then to actually then to go deeper on that instead of just, okay, now you've learned what a square meter is, let's move on. No, I, I wanted them to understand how that can be used as a measure. So then we, we created loads of square meters and then we measured the room that we were in. So they had to put all those square meters that they had created uh, on the side of each other. And then one of my students uh, said, uh, can we measure ourselves? And then I said, well, but what do you want to measure? Because we're not measuring your length or your height. We are measuring area, so square meters. And then he said, well, can we try to fit ourselves in the square meter so we can see how many of us we can fit? And then I said, well, yeah, of course you can. We are using objects, but you can use your own body. And then they all, like, then everyone started to, to go on top of the square meter. And, and it was uh, really interesting to see them using themselves and how they could see that they were having a lot of fun. And they could really understand what a square meter is and how that applies on the things that, that they, they could do in their daily lives. So it was really interesting. And I think that student in particular felt really important and, and heard, you know, because he suggested something and I said, yes, let's do it.
from Brazil, we visit Farida in the city of Jeddah, the second biggest of Saudi Arabia, located in the Red Sea, not far from Mecca. Hello, Farida. Hey, Nina. Hello. How are you? Farida works in a small non-profit school for girls with special needs. Farida was particularly motivated to share with us her personal journey that has led her to her strong drive and engagement with her career in education. As a small girl, I was not a very competent student. I was told that I won't be able to uh, excel. I was also invisible to so many of the teachers until my history teacher become part of that school. And not until grade eight, really, Uh, recognize that I have some uh, excellence and my abilities in front of each student in the classroom. I was praised for the first time as being a student who is part of the learning journey that is happening because I was really drawn to her approach to learning where uh, storytelling and imagination was uh, expanded. For the first time, I felt like I matter. And that was, that for me was a life changing thing. That history teacher accepted me for who I was. And she also thought that my weaknesses can be turned into a strength by highlighting the things that I like to do and motivating me to do these things. I wanted to do the same with students who are really struggling in their education. Farida's motivation is very inspiring. I asked her if she could describe for us an example of her teaching approach in real practice. Okay, I had an example of a student that I was teaching and she had severe dyslexia. And that student, because of her severe, severe difficulties with reading and writing, she couldn't finish primary school. She was taken out, excluded, and then she went to that special school. And she had issues with, with also her parents because all her sisters and other siblings are overachievers. And she was it was it became something uh, very important for me to just work on her self esteem to make her regain her uh, trust and confidence in order to say i can do that i worked with her on a daily basis and then she had all sorts of uh, spelling mistake maybe there is no one word that was not a spell did not have a spelling mistake Uh, her writing was empty of vowels and um, all sorts of letters are mixed up because she was severely, severely dyslexic. What I did with her is use storytelling most of the time, use her strengths, which is her narrative skills, in order to help her I don't use the word correct or the word wrong and right. I just ask her to talk and then together we rewrite the story. One day I there was a teacher mother, you know, interactions and when I was sitting with her and her daughter and describing what she's doing with me in the classroom The girl went into tears and the mother, she couldn't believe me. And then I told her that 
your daughter is like a gift that is wrapped in a in a gold paper, but this paper is so thick and it needs careful unwrapping. And the time you unwrap her potential, you will see a, a star inside that golden box. So uh, when I work with this particular student or any other student in my classroom, and I see the aha moment, the moment where they say, I got it. For me, there is nothing that equates that feeling. I feel like I do something that matters and something that makes a difference. We have listened to three different stories of teachers coming from very different learning environments, contexts and situations. Yet all these teachers share a passionate commitment with students and the particular needs of individual learners. You just listened to the first episode of Teachers Voices. Stay tuned for the following episode. We will talk about how teaching and learning takes place in adverse circumstances. You can listen to Teachers' Voices on your favorite podcast platforms and on bold.expert. There is a new episode coming every other week. Don't forget to follow us. Voices de Teachers' Voices.